Did you write that, Christy? No? She could write it. She has written some songs that I like a lot. The old time church, when they'd hear good singing like that, they'd say, we need to get them a bus so they can go on the road. <clears throat> but I don't want them to have a bus. I want them to stay right here for the time being. Amen? Praise the Lord. Well, did you bring a Bible today? Let me hear you. All right, grab it, and let's go. James chapter 3. <clears throat> Say, Pastor, you're just dragging on and on and on about this authentic faith. You know what we're doing? We're building strong, mature people around here. People are, who are interested in more than just a shout and a feel good, but they want their, their faith and their life to count for something. The only way that can happen is when we align our, our lives with his word. Amen? So James chapter 3, we're going to talk about faith speaks. Faith speaks. James chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. It says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. And I could also say sisters without doing any injustice to the word. For you know that we who teach will be judged by greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire. It is a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members Staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, reptile, sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, and it is full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers, and again let's add the sisters in there. My brothers and my sisters, these things ought not to be so. Does the spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers and sisters, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Let's pray. Father, boy, I need you today. Anytime I start talking about the tongue, I have to make sure that I get mine under subjection first. Because it appears that I'm going to be doing most of the talking today. 
And since we're going to be hearing my tongue, it needs to be in subjection to your will and, and your word. And so I pray that your anointing will be upon me today and you'll help me to speak the word effectively so that it goes forth, it will accomplish what you send it to do. That's my promise today and that's where I stand. But Lord, we've got a group of people in the house today that they need to hear. They, they won't be speaking, they're going to let me do the speaking today. But Lord, they're going to be listening and because as they're listening, they, they need to hear in the spirit realm what it is that, they, that you want to say to them today. And the good news is, that as we respond to your word as it comes to us today, we will be better people for it. We will be more mature because of it. And so, Lord, as I begin this message today, I am, I'm excited and my spirit is full of expectation because I believe something good is going to come from this today. And in advance, I give you the praise and I give you the glory for I ask it in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's going to talk about your tongue today. <clears throat> See, I know that we don't like to take responsibility for our own tongue. We'd much rather call attention to everybody else's tongue. But it, it's for all of us today. So let's begin. Today... <clears throat> We will learn that the tongue is untamable, that it is capable of great damage, and it is an indicator of our heart. Now, what have we been talking about the last few weeks? Authentic faith, real faith for real life. That's what we're talking about. And so we will understand that it is an indicator of our heart, but we also understand that God has already provided through his grace the victory that we need to overcome this tongue. <clears throat> now, if we look at the context of the scripture, we discover that James was one of the pastors of the early church. And so as he's writing this letter, he's writing to a group of Christians, most of them who were probably Jewish. And he wanted to talk to them about the power and the importance of their words, words that flow forth from our tongue. And even more fundamentally, from our heart, because as we will see from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, Jesus made clear where our words come from when he stated in Luke 6, chapter, four, chapter 6, verse 45, he said, Our words come from the overflow of our heart. So we all understand about words because we've been hurt by words before, haven't we? And that's the first thing we typically turn to is, well, I've been hurt by someone's words. But let's be honest, we've also been helped by other people's words. There have been times that we were encouraged by someone's timely word that came to us in a moment when if we had not heard that word, we would not have been able to get through that circumstance that we were facing. So today, let's not just focus on the negative, but let's also understand that words have great positive power and influence in the world that we're living in. So today, we're going to talk about five different things. The first one is that we must recognize that there is great responsibility when you are teaching the Word of God. Notice verse 1. It says, not many. Look at your, your neighbor and say, not many. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, and let's also put sisters in there as well. 
For you know that we who teach will be judged with a greater strictness. So right off the bat, James calls out the teachers and the preachers. Right from the very beginning, he says to those who are called of God to teach and preach, you better be careful. Because the words that you use can either encourage or deflate the people of God and you will be held responsible on a greater level than the people who are listening. The speaker will be judged by a stricter standard than those who are listening because we are carrying the word of God. Listen, I had to learn early early in ministry that this book is not my word. This book is his word. And so I can't change it to make it say what I prefer that it say. I can't change what God's word says in order for it to to line up with what my preferences are. If I'm going to preach the word and teach the word, I've got to be willing to preach it in its entirety whether it is the cool thing to do or not. Because one day I will stand before God and say, well, the reason I preached that is because I thought it would be cool. I thought it'd be awesome. And he's going to say, I wanted you to preach it because my people needed to hear what my will is for their life. So he's saying, for those of you who hope to be a teacher, preacher of the world, a word, you better think twice. We don't need a lot of preachers is what he's saying. Now, they were in the early church, and probably most of these churches were gathering together in people's homes. They didn't have nice facilities like we have here, and they didn't show up and have uh, incredible praise and worship and bands like we've had. Man, didn't they do good today? I'm t- I, just, I didn't want them to quit today. Amen. We're blessed to have all that. But they didn't have all that in those days. They were, they were gathering together in people's homes and in places just wherever they could find. And they were in, in the process of establishing the church and organizing the church. And so James says, listen, as we put the church together, as we organize the church, as we establish it, we need to understand that we don't need a lot of people trying to teach and preach the word of God. There shouldn't be a whole host of people trying to get their opinions in. I know what some of you are thinking right now. Paul said in Corinthians that when they come together, that they have everybody has a word and everybody has a song and everybody has this and everybody has an opinion. And we Pentecostals love that because it's like, oh, we just pray that everything will just erupt and everybody can say whatever they want to say and sing whatever they want to sing and do whatever they want to do. But when you read that, in the context in which Paul writes it, he's saying, you're crazy. You are absolutely nuts because you're coming together and there is such an atmosphere of chaos that the Spirit of God cannot move because everybody's wanting to talk and everybody's wanting to preach and everybody's wanting to teach and everybody's wanting to sing and the people who are unsaved are coming in and saying, there are a bunch of idiots in that church. I'm not staying around here. And we misunderstood that. And so we've tried to create these churches whereby, well, I ought to be able to say whatever I want to say, whenever I want to say it, however I want to say it, whenever I think it's appropriate. And many times when we do that, we create an atmosphere of chaos whereby God's word cannot effectively be heard. 
And so what James is saying here is that you don't need a whole lot of people speaking and preaching and teaching. You need to have some order in the church so that the word of God can go forth by the one who has been anointed and appointed to be the spokesman for the church. I'm going to say something you may or may not like. And it's going to sound like it's coming from a spirit of arrogance, but it's not. I, trust me, when it comes to filling this pulpit, I'm harder on myself than anybody in the world. I am a basket case all the time because I realize the importance of the word that I'm bringing to you. I'm a basket case most Saturdays. And Sunday mornings, you can ask my wife and confirm that reality with her. Because I understand that I will stand before God with a stricter judgment than you will. So I have to raise the bar. I have to be willing. And so when I come to this pulpit to stand and preach the word of God, I'm not asking for people to try to help me. I, I'm, not, I'm not needing people to try to add to what... Can, can only be said under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I love you, but there are times to share what God might be saying to you, and there are times when the, it is inappropriate to do that kind of thing. So as much as I love you, I want to cut a covenant with you, if you will, and ask you, will you just let me preach? And if you'll just let me preach, if I get out of order, God will take care of that. He'll hold me accountable. But, but we have to make sure that the people who need to hear the word of the Lord are hearing the word of the Lord and not being distracted and not being... You know what I'm saying. So I better say no more about that and just keep going. We don't need too many teachers. Now, what about this stricter judgment thing? Well... There, there are two or three things that I think we need to mention. Number one, we don't need teachers who are unqualified. We don't need that. We don't need people who don't have the ability to represent the Word of God properly. We need people who have studied the Word and understand the Word and can preach the Word with, with some type of understanding of what it is that God is trying to say. Amen. We, we've got to have people who are qualified. I, I remember when I was growing up in the old, old time way, it was like, oh, no, I don't study. I don't, I don't, I don't prepare anything in advance. I, I just, I come to the pulpit and say, here I am, God, hit me with a good one. And whatever comes just comes. And, 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 and it must be the Holy Ghost. You know, I always felt like that that was one of the biggest insults to the Holy Ghost that I've ever heard like the Holy Ghost doesn't know what you need to hear six months from now and can't tell me in advance what it is that you need to hear. I got to wait till 30 seconds before time to preach and say, oh God, please help me, please help me, please help me. Hit me with your best shot. Hit me with your best shot. Fire away. We don't need that. We need men and women of God who have planted their face in this book and have the word of God fresh in their heart and in their spirit and is able to deliver it in such a way that you will be blessed by it. Amen. We don't need unqualified teachers and we don't need false teachers. 
We don't need false teachers. And the Bible says that in the last days, they're going to creep into the church and they're going to hide themselves in such a way that they won't even be, we won't even be aware that they're there until they start trying to speak. And when they start speaking, something will rise up in the spirit of a child of God who is filled with the spirit and say, I discern that these words are not in accordance with scripture. And we will be able to call them out. Listen, if I'm not preaching the word of God, you call me out. If I'm not staying clear to this book, you, you make an appointment with me and come see me and tell me what it is that I'm doing wrong. I, I, I'm going to stand before God. I don't want to preach a false gospel. I want to preach what is true because truth is what will set us free. And we don't need a bunch of preachers with wrong motives. I was watching a TV show the other day, and this preacher was just preaching the fire. I mean, it was good. I'm sitting on the couch, and I'm about to have a Holy Ghost fit. I'm telling you, it was good. And when he got to the end of it, the host of the show got the microphone and said, and if you would like to activate this word in your life, you need to go immediately to the phones and send me a check for $50 and plant a seed in, the, in our ministry so that this word can be activated. I wanted to jump up off the couch and go to the TV and reach inside and grab that person's neck and shake the... No, I didn't. I really didn't. Well, yes, I did. I wanted to shake the holy fire right out of them. The gospel is not for sale. The word of God will set you free and you don't have to pay a dime for it. Come by my office on Tuesdays. I'll give you your prophecy for $25. I just got an ornery spirit on me today. Can you tell? I'm telling you this book is precious. This book is life. This book represents God's perfect will for our lives. And if we mistreat it and treat it inappropriately, God will hold us responsible for it. Amen. Matthew 12, 36 and 37 says, I tell you that on the day of judgment, people will have to account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Are you ready for me to move on? I thought so. Number two, we have to also recognize the great potential for sinning in what we say. Our words can produce sin in our lives. But like a magnet, there are positive sides and there are negative possibilities in this statement at all. At first, look at verse two. He says, we all say all. Does that include you? Does it include me? We all stumble in many ways. Paul says something similar in Romans chapter 3 verses 13 and 14. He says to the Romans, their throat is an open grave. They deceive with their tongues. Vipers, venom is under their lips and their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Sounds like a great place to be, doesn't it? 
I mean, think about the environment where everyone is just, they're bitter and they're, they're spewing poison and, and every word that comes out of their mouth is negative and hurtful and complaining and, and a curse here and a curse there. Sounds like the kind of place I want to be, amen? Not me. No, ma'am. I want to be in the presence of people who are using the potential of their tongue to change the atmosphere in a positive way and so that the glory of the Lord can abide there. It's not a pretty picture when people start that kind of thing. Now notice again in verse 2 he says, He is a mature man who is able to control his whole body. The word mature here is the Greek word telos, and it, it can mean to be complete, mature, or perfect. In other words, we're growing up when we learn how to control our tongue. I'm going to say some more about this later, but I'm going to move on to item three right now. Uh, number three is that we must recognize the great power of the tongue. Notice verses three through six. Read it with me if you will. It's as if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us. We guide their whole body. Say whole body as well. Look at the ships. Though they are so large and they are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot, you see that, directs. Wherever the will of the pilot directs, so also the tongue. It's a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire. It is a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the entire body, the whole body, and setting on fire the entire course of life. And it is set on fire by hell. Now, he uses three illustrations to show us the power of something as small as the tongue. First of all, he talks about the horses. Now, we in Louisville, we ought to understand about horses. There are a lot of things that we know about horses. We know that we plant our gardens based on when the horses run. Is that, is that not correct? That's the way we do it. These beautiful horses, these powerful horses, these horses that have great speed and ability and stamina are useless when it comes to racing unless they submit themselves to the will of the jockey and the bit that is in their mouth. It is the bit in their mouth and the will of the jockey and the trainer that creates an incredible racehorse who is able to win the triple crown. I don't know about you, but I think many of us have never won the triple crown. Some of us have never won a single race because we can't keep our mouth shut long enough to allow God to direct our path in the way that we should go. This little thing in a horse's mouth has the ability to take a horse that would be good for nothing but to walk around in a field and develop it into a world-known champion who can win race after race after race on the earth's greatest grand scale. 
I don't know about you. I don't want to just wander around in some field and eat grass. I don't want to just get through life. I, I, don't, I don't want to just have an occasional victory. I want to say to God, Holy Spirit, whatever you need to do, put the bit in my mouth. Don't let my mouth keep me from the greatness that you have for me. Don't let me void the anointing of God that you have on my life and the message of my life because I'm unwilling to be disciplined by the word of God. No, Lord, put your bit in my mouth so that I can be all that you've called me to be. So a little, little ship rudder is able to turn a, a massive ship that is stories high, but a captain can stand there at the wheel and, and turn it just a little bit. And because of his will to turn that ship and to move that rudder in just a little bit, it can change the course of the entire ship. What I'm telling you is, is that you don't have to be this super duper wally whooper man or woman of God. All all you have to be willing to do is allow the Spirit of God to turn you a little at a time and point you in the direction that you need to go so the Spirit of God can take you to a place of success. Amen. Proverbs says in chapter 16, verse 27, he says, A worthless man digs up evil, and his speech is like a scorching fire. In chapter 26 and verse 21, it says, As charcoal for embers and wood for fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. What is quarrelsome? It's somebody who loves to constantly be arguing about something. I know, just strap your seatbelt on just for a minute. This political season has brought out the worst in some of us. We think that we've got to get involved in every little argument and every little thing and we've got to comment to every little thing and every little person and we've got to get our two cents worth in. Listen, as children of God, we need to shut our public mouths a little bit and open our private mouths through intercessory prayer and start praying that God will do privately what needs to be witnessed publicly. We don't always have to win the argument. Sometimes we don't even need to be involved in the argument. Sometimes we just need to say as a child of God, I refuse to allow myself to be a quarrelsome individual. Instead, I'm going to be someone who encourages others with my words. You say, well, shouldn't you sometimes stand up? Yeah, sometimes we have to stand up. Sometimes we have to let the will of the word be heard. But when that time comes, God will put us in a position of authority and power so that we can speak before the audience that will make the decision where change needs to be put. It wouldn't do you a bit of good if I stood up here and politicized every week. It wouldn't do you a bit of good if I got up here and started talking about all the agendas of the Democrats and the agendas of the Republicans and the agendas of the independents and the agendas of the news media and the agenda. It wouldn't do you a bit of good. But what will do you a whole lot of good is to hear the word of God as it is preached and proclaimed and taught so that you can adjust your lives in such a way that you can be full of God's anointing and power. Amen. You know, we think about these verses and we always tend to think 
of the negativism that goes around. Oh, well, if you get the rudder a little bit too far, then it'll adjust too much. And, and you know, if you, if you just overcompensate with the bit in the horse's mouth, it'll cause him to stop instead of slow down. And there are so many. Why, why can't we just put aside the negativity and declare that these things are meant to be positive? If we can not do those things, then we can do other things and say other things and speak other things that will allow our lives to have an impact in a positive way. What would be the result if we focused on the positive of the tongue instead of the negative? I'll tell you what could happen. It wouldn't take a whole lot of time of healing and apologetic words to restore a relationship. Some of you just need to apologize. Some of you just need to say, I'm sorry. Say, well, love means never having to say, I'm sorry. Phooey! Where are you getting your information from? The movies? Is that what we're guiding our lives by now? No. There are times that it is not only appropriate, but it is necessary to say I'm sorry for what I did and how I acted and the words that I spoke. Just think how positive our relationships could be if occasionally we would look at our spouse and say, I'm sorry that I said that. I'm sorry that I did that. I'm sorry that I did not consider you in that decision. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It wouldn't take long before you'd be hugging and kissing and dancing on the kitchen floor. Amen. It wouldn't take long. And all you'd have to do is invest a few words of healing and apology. It wouldn't take a tremendous amount of effort to destroy hate speech. It wouldn't take a whole lot of effort for us to decide, I'm never going to say words like chink, and I'm never going to say words like like weirdo, and I'm never going to say other words that I could say from this pulpit today, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. If we can just change our language and speak respectfully to people who are different than we are, they were made in the image and in the likeness of God, just like you and me. Church didn't start in southern United States of America. The church started in the heart of God Almighty. He loves us all. And for me to assign a label to someone that God made in his own image puts me in a position where I cannot be blessed by his hand. (laughs) I knew you wouldn't say amen there. I'm going to say, he's just getting a little bit beside himself now. Though I like to say some of those words. I don't ever say it, Pastor. But I have posted it on Facebook a few times. I, I didn't really do it. I just shared it. I just passed it along. Somebody said it. And it did something in my spirit. And I felt like, oh, my finger has to push the mouth right now so it can go on down the pike. No. We are responsible for the words and the communication that comes out of our mouth and out of our lives and out of our computers and out of our fingers. And whether you say amen or not, it is the absolute truth. We are responsible for our words. Racism could be completely eliminated if we would just speak to each other differently. If we would just see one another differently. 
It wouldn't be too hard to fall back in love with someone by communicating like you did when you were dating. How many of you remember when you were dating? I was just remembering it myself for a moment. And it took me a minute to gather all that information in, if you know what I'm saying. Good stuff. But then we get married, and it's like the marriage demon takes over. What's up with that? It wouldn't be hard if we started talking to our spouse differently it would change the nature of our relationship. Number four, got to quit, got to move. We've got to recognize our inability to tame the tongue. Look at verses 7 through 10. For every kind of beast and bird, reptile, sea creature can be tamed. Say, can be tamed. And has been tamed. Say, and has been tamed. Can be and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. Notice this, my brothers and sisters, these things ought not be so. So let me ask you a question today. What is James trying to tell us? Is he trying to establish a, a hopeless situation? Is he trying to say, listen, animals be, can be tamed, but you can't be tamed. Humans can't be tamed. You can't tame your tongue. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying here, because if that's what he were saying, he would be saying something that is contrary to the entire body of Scripture. So what he's saying here is, is that you cannot tame the tongue in the spirit of humanity. In your own natural spirit, you can't do it. But I'm thankful today to announce to you and let you know that we do not walk in the flesh, but we walk in the Spirit of God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am well able to tame my tongue if I will determine that I'm going to discipline myself as Christ would have me be disciplined. So it's not true that we can't tame it. It's just true that we have to use spiritual means and not human means. We cannot tame the tongue through human effort, but we can tame the tongue through mature Christ-like discipline. So if a man can, and, the Lord, and with the Lord's help, if he can tame the tongue, then according to Scripture, he can tame the whole body. Look at verse 2 again with me. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Go down to verse 10. It says, from the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers and sisters, these things ought not be so. 
So he's saying on the one hand, no human can tame their tongue. But on the other hand, he's saying if he does, he won't just tame his tongue. He'll tame his entire body. It won't just be the tongue. But he'll say, oh, Father, thank you for helping me tongue this li- or tame this little tongue. And now I want you to work on my hands. And I want you to work on my attitude. And I want you to work on, on everything else that's going wrong in my sin-sick spirit. No, he says, if you can tame the tongue, then there is no sinful activity or attitude that is untamable through the Spirit of God. If you can tame the tongue, you can do it all. Wouldn't it be unfair of God? To say, you've got to tame your tongue. Tame your tongue. Tame your tongue. And then to have one of the prophets turn around and say, it's not possible. You can't tame your tongue. No human can do what God is asking you to do. That would be inconsistent with Scripture. It would be unfair for God to tell you to do something and then refuse to give you the power and the anointing and the authority to do it. So let me tell you today, I don't want to hear these excuses. I can't do that, Pastor. I'm not capable of that. You know what you're doing? You're just allowing your flesh to rise up in you and take control of who you are. And you need to get your flesh down on your your feet and say, flesh, you are not going to rise up in me and prevent me from doing everything that my God says I can do. If I can tame this tongue, then you better believe I can do everything else that I need to do to get my spirit in alignment with the will of God for my life. So what does that look like? Well, it means if I can tame my tongue, I can also remain faithful to my wife. It means if I can tame my tongue, I can also remain pure in heart. I don't need pornography. I can be pure in heart. If I can tame my tongue, I know I can stop stealing. If I can tame my tongue, I know I can overcome addictions. It's time for us to stop managing our sins. Instead, the Lord, let him take our sins from us and allow us to be. If I can tame my tongue, you just fill in the blank. What is it that you need to get under control? What attitude is it that's keeping you from victory? What disobedience is keeping you from experiencing the fullness of God's blessing? What is it in your life? I know some of you want me to call you out and call you up front and give you some prophetic word. You don't need a prophetic word. You already know what is in your spirit that needs to be handled by the Spirit of God. And all it takes is your willingness to discipline yourself and get it under control. And what James is saying and what scripture is saying is is that if you can start here with your communication, with your tongue, with the words that come out of your mouth, then there is nothing that is too God, too hard for God to do in your spirit. Man, if that doesn't fire you up, I don't know. Because some of you have been thinking, I don't know how I'm ever going to get this under control. I don't know how I'm ever going to get victory over this. I don't know what the key to this is. I'm telling you what the key is. It starts right here. And you're saying, oh, what does that mean? Does that mean I have to stop cussing? I don't care if you cuss or not. 
But here's what I do care about. I care about you agreeing with the word of God and stop agreeing with the enemy of your soul and stop agreeing with the devil and stop agreeing with the world and stop agreeing with people who are outside of the kingdom of God. Psalm 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. See, what I want us to do is start speaking forth the word of God, speaking words of life, speaking words of hope, saying, God, I know it doesn't look like it, but I know what your word says. And I know that if your word can be activated in my life, that there's nothing that can stop me from being able to be victorious in every way, in area, every area of my life. I don't care what the doctors say. I believe in divine healing. You're able to heal me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. If you don't don't do it divinely. You can do it through the doctors. Uh, they can give me some kind of treatment uh, that will allow healing to take in my bo- place in my body. But if you don't do that, I'm okay with that because I know that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord Jesus Christ. So devil, you cannot stop me from believing what the word of the Lord says. <clears throat> My finances are in a mess. I can't afford to tithe. Don't let your flesh keep you from getting the blessing that God has in store from you. When you bring the tithe into the storehouse and place it at the feet of God, he is entering into covenant with you. And he's saying, check me out and see if I'll not pour out a blessing upon you that you cannot contain. What is that? We mean I can't contain. It means it's going to go from your hands to the next generation, to the next generation, to the next generation, to the next generation. If you don't want to tithe for yourself, you ought to start tithing for your kids. You ought to start tithing for your grandbabies. You ought to start tithing for your great-grandbabies because God's word is true. God's word is faithful. What he says he will do, he will do. Man, I'm I'm about to fire myself up. I thought you were supposed to be talking about the tongue. I am. But the greater idea is what are we communicating? What are we communicating? Are we communicating doubt or faith? Are we saying, oh, I can't do that because if I do that, then I can't do this and I can't. Don't worry about that. Say, God, this is a faith walk anyway. I can't do anything without faith. I can't do anything unless you empower me to do it. I can't do anything anyway. So by faith, I'm going to take my first step in this area. I'm going to apologize to that idiot even though I still don't like him. I'm going to say I'm sorry. I'm going to be the bigger man or woman. I'm going to do what your word declares that I should do. And by faith, I'm going to believe for the breakthrough that has been damned up because I have not been willing to discipline my communication. Oh, you better come in a hurry. It's 12.01. So why are you preaching like this? Because, Because we're talking about authentic faith. 
We're talking about real faith for real life. I need to start going to the gym again. <laughs> Playing basketball with the boys. Get my breath back. I'm still going to preach though. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm not mad at you. I want to see you raise the bar. Why wouldn't you be willing to apologize if you knew that your marriage could come back together? Why wouldn't you keep your mouth shut at work in front of your boss when you know that they know that you're being negative about everything that's being done? You think they're going to promote you? Not in this lifetime. You said, Pastor, does it really all start with the tongue? Well, it seems like to me that's what James is saying. It really seems like to me that he's saying, if you will tame your tongue, then you can tame everything else in this body. I said, that doesn't make any sense to me. Haven't you learned by now, God seldom ever makes sense. That's why they call it faith. If you can do it on your own, who needs God? If you can save yourself, who needs Jesus? If you can walk day by day in a positive way, who needs the Holy Spirit? We need God. But God requires that we do things His way. And as your pastor, I'm preaching the way that I'm preaching because I'm telling you I'm sick and tired of just doing church and going through religious activities. I want to see lives changed by the power of God. Because if that's not happening, we're not doing our job. Do you have your Bibles? Grab them. Go to Isaiah chapter 6. Somebody say praise the Lord when you get there. Isaiah chapter 6. It's in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. In the year 
that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon the throne high and lifted up in the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy. Man, I'd like to experience that just one time. I'm going to experience it. One of these days I'm going to experience it. When I get on the other side of this place. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory and the foundations of the threshold shook and the voice of him who called and the house was filled with smoke and I said, woe is me for I am lost and I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the king the Lord of hosts then, say then then one of the seraphim flew to me having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar and he touched my mouth and he said behold this has touched your lips your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for and I heard the voice of the Lord saying whom shall I send and who will go for us and so I said here I am Lord send me and he said go 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 and say go and say this thing right here will either elevate you to spiritual maturity or it will drag your soul into the depths of hell and there's only one person in this place in this house that can decide which direction it will go. And do you know who it is? It's you. Will you stand with me this morning?